Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. America's Voice of Reason. Boyd Matheson on Utah's home for elevated conversation. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. All right. Well, we are thrilled to turn the tables today. We have our own Amanda Dixon in studio with us today. Amanda, thanks for jumping in. Oh, it's my pleasure, Boyd. Uh, you have been substitute teaching, uh, and we've been following your chronicles of that and all the experiences that come with being the substitute. Uh, you had a great opinion piece at kslnewsradio.com talking about how many teachers are leaving the profession. They're quitting, uh, not just here in Utah, across the country. Mm-hmm. And normally when we think about that, we think it's a pay problem. No. It's a class size problem. Mm-hmm. It's a workloads problem. You're saying it's something different. It's the parents' fault. It's my <laughs> fault as a parent. Mm. I, I own this personally because what I see in these children is shocking to me. Mm. And and not always, but I would say, and at all levels, at elementary, middle, and yeah. high school, I, I'm in all levels. But it's shocking, particularly in, in first, second, third graders, who will, without hesitation sometimes, just say, no. I'll ask them. Hard pass. Would you, let's, we, we need to work on this assignment. No. Mm. You can't make me. Wow. Or they'll say things that you know they've heard a hundred times before, like, mm-hmm. no, I'm, I'm having anxiety. I can't do that assignment. Now, I don't want to give any disrespect to, to anyone who's experiencing Absolutely. really, but, but when I tell you that half the class <laughs> wants to go to the wellness center, there's a wellness center in these schools mm. now, Boyd. It's a room where you can go anytime for any reason if you feel like you're overwhelmed or upset. So here's my thing. The kids are so smart. They're, They're so working good. It. Yeah. They know how to work it. <laughs> they, they, get, they get on a list with me. I want to go next. I want to go next. I want to go next. And during that whole class period, they're not getting the assignment. And even the kids who are present in class are just waiting for their They're turn. Waiting for their turn to, to get go out to of the class. wellness center. Ugh. Where is the resilience? Why aren't yeah. we teaching? This is how you keep it together to stay in class. Yeah. Because uh, newsflash: your boss is not going to have a wellness center. <laughs> That's right. Likely not. <laughs> and you're right. going to have to be able to calm yourself down. But the kids don't even want to learn that how to skill. breathe or yeah. through it because they've been told. You just this is your free pass out. Yes. Yeah, this is a, such a big challenge, and we see that uh, obviously we're seeing it at younger and younger age, uh, where people are either unwilling, uh, they don't have that resilience factor, uh, and so they're just looking for the easy exit ramp and an excuse that goes with it. Mm-hmm. That I don't have to push myself, I don't have to try something that's hard, I don't have to get out of my comfort zone I don't and have learn to something the new. I don't even have to start the assignment. Yeah. Uh, and so, so talk to me in terms of how you see that manifest again, especially in these younger kids. I can see high schoolers; they know how to work yeah. the system. They get and middle schoolers, that you know, I and I also want to say this, boy. I realize my experience is limited 
because I am just a substitute. I also realize kids are way worse with a substitute than they are with their normal teacher. I mean, my, my sons admitted to me that when they were in middle school, that they it was their mission in life to make the substitute cry. I said, shame on you, boys. But and now that they see what I'm going through, they yeah, feel terrible. They're about feeling it. terrible. Good. And you know what? You know what I will see sometimes, Boyd, is I'll see kids will act out. They're screaming. They're not. You know, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And after a certain amount of that goes on, kids will start apologizing to me. Mm. I actually have uh, cards on my desk of kids saying, "I'm sorry." Because they would push and push and refuse and leave class to go to the wellness center without asking. Mm-hmm. And then they'd see the effect it was having on the other students yeah. and on me. Yeah. And they'd say, we're sorry. We love you, Mrs. W. They call me Mrs. W. Because <laughs> some of the little ones can't say Wilhelm. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, my married last name. We're sorry, Mrs. W. We'll, we'll do better. Don't, please come back again. We love you. Please come back. And that, that I, yeah. what I know, boy, is that in their hearts... They get it. Kids are born wanting yeah. to be compassionate yeah. and to do the right thing. Somehow they're learning these crutches that aren't yeah. serving them. Yeah, and again, it goes back to parenting. It goes back to what's happening in the home, what's getting reinforced in the neighborhood. Uh, and, and that catering, I, I think, is, is often where, as parents, it's it's so easy to, uh, to cater or to not deal with the hard thing. It's much easier to just give them the treat and yeah. let them be quiet uh, as opposed to having a fit in the store and uh, going yeah. through that process. And, and, and so I think we've sort of developed this this comfort zone mentality in our world. Uh, I always joke about the uh, recreational vehicle industry. It's like it's a monument to to the comfort zones that we create. So when we go out and we rough it, uh, <laughs> you know, we can take the the satellite dish and the microwave right. oven and, and the shower and all of those things. Now, technically for me, anything below a Marriott is camping. So yeah. I am the worst of the comfort zone <laughs> That's guys. That's funny. Uh, but, we're, but we're teaching our kids that same thing yeah. of don't get out of your comfort zone. And yet we know if you want any human to flourish, you have to get out of that. And we're teaching them not to get out of their comfort zone in what they learn. Mm. You don't want to learn this because this might challenge something you think. And you don't want to learn this because this might challenge a belief you've had for a long time. Your belief isn't strong enough to withstand losing the, learning yeah, this. Yeah. Parents are not teaching their kids to respect teachers. Mm. Here's what I get after substitute teaching for a year, Boyd. <laughs> teachers, you know, I'm a radio announcer. That's what I know how to do. I'm a professional radio announcer. I am not a professional teacher. They go to school for years and years mm. to learn not just their subject, right. but how, how to do yeah. this and yeah. how to give the kids a rounded education. We parents, unless we're teachers, are not professionals <laughs> at this. We don't know all yeah. the things that go into a well-rounded education, mm. and we don't trust the teachers. We don't back them mm. up. That, that is huge. I think that, uh, that trusting the teacher, I think, is an important thing. Uh, and, and respecting the teacher is yes. an important thing. One of the things that we always tried to do with our kids is if they, they came home and they were launching into that, Mrs. So-and-so is so horrible, Mr. So-and-so is is the worst math teacher or whatever, or, or this isn't fair or whatever, rather than immediately react as a parent and say, oh, I can't believe that and buy in, yes, you just start asking questions instead of, Tell me more about that. And you'll find out they Why haven't done it? their homework for three That's months. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which is still the problem with some of my children. But. It's not fair. I, I hear that so much that I finally told a class the other day, and I hope I wasn't out of line. I said, the three dumbest words you'll ever hear or say, it's not fair. Because the rest of your life is not fair. Yeah. Life is not fair. It's yeah. never going to be fair. That's right. So you're just wasting your time and everybody else's time. Yeah. And your heart, when you let yourself fall in the trap of it's yeah. not fair. 
Yeah, Let's, I want to talk for just a second about this idea of the impact on. You talked about these students who who apologize. You know, I can just see them on behalf of the class. I'd, I'd like, like to, to say I'm I'd sorry. Like to, <laughs> we'd like to apologize. Uh, but let's talk about those students for a minute because I I believe both with teachers and with students who are really trying that they that they run out of energy before they run out of opportunity. Yes. But it's often because they're dealing with all of the distractions and all of the disruptions from the kids who are saying they're triggered or they need it, you know, to go to the break room or, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Describe that as a teacher in terms of that exhaustion and, and running out of energy before you run out of teaching opportunities. Okay. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. That is brilliant, Boyd, because in any class, and I have better classes and and classes with more challenges, but in any class, there are students doing the work, working hard, trying their best, needing my help, needing my help with the math, or needing my help with with the essay. And I can't get to them because there are kids, you know, who are touching or hitting another kid. And I have to say, hey, hands to yourself, yeah. 14 times in a row. Or they're running around the class or they're asking to go to the wellness center or they're. And so here is the kid who wants to learn and do the work. And I can't get to him or I get to him for not the full time he needs and deserves yeah. because of the disrespect. And it's these are not. I'm not talking about diagnosed issues. I, right. I work in the resource department a lot, too, and with the special ed kids, yeah. and I love them. Game. That's love a whole it. different thing. Yeah. I'm talking about kids that could learn yeah. how to stay in their seat and do their work. not to learn. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, fascinating. Uh, lessons from the classroom. Amanda Dixon, uh, so grateful to have you in today. And this is important. And, and I again, for all the parents out there, just pause and, and just think one, what's going on there, be very grateful for the teachers, be very respectful of what it is they're trying to do and the dynamics of what they're doing, but then make sure that we're all helping our children, our grandchildren, uh, to have that respect, to have that resilience. Those are all the skills that we've got to have in society. Do it for your kids, if yeah. not for the teachers themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Amanda Dixon, thanks Thank for you, joining boy. us. And I know you're off to teach, yes. so good yes, luck sir. today. Thank you. <laughs> Big thanks to Amanda Dixon for joining us. And uh, that's such an important conversation because I I really believe the most important things that our children will get from their formal education is learning how to learn, the discipline of learning, which they're going to learn in the classroom, and hopefully they're going to learn some of that at home too. But it's also that love of learning because that's the name of the game. In a world that's accelerating and fast forward with so many changes, they have to constantly learn if they're going to be able to compete in a really competitive global world. And more important than that, having the respect and the curiosity Uh, to stay engaged, to be willing to have uh, uncomfortable conversations, to be willing to get out of that natural comfort zone, to challenge their own thinking, to challenge uh, where they like to be. Those are all crucial skills, and it doesn't always add up into STEM. It doesn't always add up into reading and writing, uh, but it does become a crucial part 
of education. And we have so many educators in the state who are doing an extraordinary job of doing that. We have a lot of kids who are leaning in and are leading the way in terms of that education at all levels. And we have some who have learned really bad habits at home uh, and are causing a lot of great teachers uh, and a lot of great students to run out of energy before they run out of educational opportunity. All right, we're going to step aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, some final thoughts on a Friday. Stick around. More inside sources on KSL News Radio coming right up. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.